Young, I say, oh, this is Kyle and Travis. And again, we're with another host named Lily. And we are super excited to introduce again, Wu Yi, who apparently came out with a film that seemed really interesting. And the funny thing is we actually met each other in person in Minnesota for an Adoptee Hub event not too long ago. And it's kind of cool that we talked a little bit and then she ended up reaching out and she wanted to talk a little bit about her film that she's got going on. I know she's a screenwriter, she's a director. And again, from our other video that we talked about was her 92 to 20 profiles of CAD relations with the black community. And another interesting prospect about this is Lee Quates, which was another adoptee, a HAPA that I was introduced to through another person, yet it surprisingly she was actually in this book from when we last had her interview. And it was pretty amazing seeing them in person and we end up picking out a book. This one was called Prison Poetry and Purposeful Songs. And apparently I think this was only a limited print there at the event. So I had to get it and we had her sign it and stuff, which was really cool. So anyway, we'll get going on with her film. I believe it's called Red Thread of Fate, which is kind of an interesting title. And I ended up dabbling a little bit into the premise of it. And it's about uh, a relationship, which I think kind of hits home with a lot of adoptees where whether not for all, but for some, at least even personally, where relationships kind of bring out the, the best or the worst, or you just learn a whole bunch of things. And I think with this, I think a lot of adoptees may actually kind of relate to the film and story that she's kind of got going on here. Hey, boy, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so thanks for joining us. We just wanted to talk about your new film. So could you describe a little bit about the premise and how it came about? So it is an Asian-dominated romance dramedy feature film. And it's about an adoptee who has graduated from college and falls in love with an older man, but she's currently dating her boyfriend from college who's also jealous and wants to seek revenge. Wow. Now, is the older man Korean? I made him Chinese. Okay. I wanted to mention, though, that your main character is not a Korean adoptee. It is an adoptee, but it sounds like she's Vietnamese, correct? Yes. I specifically chose a Vietnamese adoptee because I feel that there are so many stories out there for Korean adoptees by Korean adoptees, and I don't feel like there's that much representation from Vietnamese adoptees. That's actually really interesting that you chose a Vietnamese adoptee versus like your own South Korean adoptee. Have you been around a lot of Vietnamese adoptees and do they go through similar things, which I assume, but maybe you could describe a little bit about her character. They are similar things. Historically, there tends to be a larger Vietnamese adoptee group from a particular time in history called Operation Baby Lift. Could you describe um, what that is? I'm not familiar with that. So, Operation Baby Lift was basically a time when they were evacuating people out of Vietnam and then they were also evacuating the babies as well. Is this during the Vietnam War, I believe? Yes. So describe how this character came into process. What was the things going through your head? Can you give a general consensus of her personality? Maybe the challenges that she may possibly be going through? So the challenges that she goes through are pretty Typical, I would say, of Korean adoptees, even if the specific circumstances are unique. So what I mean by that is that there's a lot of themes of identity and belonging and trying to understand our place in the world. 
So how long did this character take into fruition? Is this actually based off your own personal story a little bit? I think I read that in the synopsis. Is that true? Yes, this is based on my own personal life. I did change a few characters, change a few situations. So it's somewhat different from my life. How long was this project going on so far? So I actually started writing the screenplay in June. And now we are still in pre-production, so it has not been released yet. And we still have a little ways to go as we're trying to raise funds. The production date is going to be around September of next year, give or take. We really don't know. It depends on the funds. So I was looking at the actor list as well. It sounds like you hired a whole bunch of uh, adoptees for your project. There are several adoptees as well as adoptive parents. So I do want to go through and highlight a few people who are going to be on my cast and crew. So we have Mick Messersmith. He's going to be the fight choreographer. There is one little fight scene. So one of the producers is Brittany DeVries. And even though she's not Asian, she is both a late discovery adoptee and a foster mother who became an adoptive mother. We also have other Korean adoptees and we have other adoptive parents. Is there anyone that you want to credit in the film when it comes to your cast and crew and everyone else? So I especially wanted to highlight the adoptees and the adoptive parents in this because this is Korean adoptee stories. So I did want to mention Michael Benzinger. He's one of the actors. And I also want to mention Kathy Friend. She is an adoptive mother of a Russian adoptee. And she has a few roles, including props, as well as location and potentially makeup and costume. And Amanda Edwards is a foster mother, and she is going to be our intimacy coordinator. And I'm really happy that we have an intimacy coordinator because the script really needs one because it's a romance and it's going to be, you know, romantic. <laughs> a little about that person. What is an intimacy coordinator and how did she become that role? Is she like a psychologist or something or therapist maybe? Or Well, interestingly enough, she is actually a mental health therapist. Yes. Perfect. Is there anyone else that you wanted to mention? There are so many people I want to mention, every single person on my cast and crew, but those are the people who I wanted to highlight as part of the adoption trial. Can I stir the pot a little bit? And what about Kay, Catherine Mraz? Could you describe what's going on there or if she's playing a different role at the moment? Basically, we both decided on our passion project. So this is my passion project where I am the screenwriter, director, and producer. And she has her own passion project where she's also the screenwriter, director, and producer. So is she not part of your project anymore? Or is she like kind of maybe mentoring you? Well, she's going to be busy at least until June. So we said that we were going to revisit later in the year. Why do you think it was so important to involve adoptees in your cast and crew? So for me, it's really important to help elevate people. So I remember I was actually attending the American Black Film Festival recently. And one of the questions that they asked was, how are you used in your position to help elevate the rest of us? And I thought that was a very good question. And the way that I do that is by hiring on people on the cast and crew. Is this your first book that's turned into a movie? Yes. Well, can you talk a little bit about what that process was like? I also had met you at Adoptee Hub in Minnesota about a month ago, and I also bought that same book, and then I won a couple of them from the silent auction. So I have, I think, two or three of your books now, and I noticed at your table you had about seven or eight. 
so yes. far. So how is your most recent one and what was the process like for you to turn your first book into a movie? So most of the books that I've written and published are actually poetry books, but I did have a couple of other books such as, as you know, I've done nonfiction fiction and I've also done a play that I'm going to be turning into a full-length feature film as well. Oh, wow. So this was based off of my fiction book. And as you know, it's kind of like half fiction <laughs> because it's based on my life. But the process is interesting because as an author, I think it's really common for authors to think, oh, well, I'm already an author, so it should be easy for me to transition into being a screenwriter. And I would say that's actually incorrect because you have more things to unlearn than for the person who just goes straight into screenwriting. Screenwriting is its own craft. It's completely a different world than being an author. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand when they're trying to compare a movie to a, the original book. But I do find that screenwriting has helped my being an author because it helps me think more in terms of like act one, act two, act three. It helps me think in terms of even act one, two, and three within an act. And also character development, really just going into depth, making sure that you know how to be more subtle. One thing about script writing that I find interesting is that to be a skilled script writer, you need to also be good with subtleties. And that's difficult because you're limited in the form to how you're going to write it. For example, you don't want to write directions that are going to be under the purview of someone else, like the director or the cinematographer or the wardrobe designer or even the art director. I mean, you want everyone to have freedom to make their own decisions. So what you're limited to is you're limited to the dialogue. But what most new screenwriters make the mistake of doing is that they end up making their screenplay dialogue heavy. And you do want to have a nice balance between dialogue and action. But also you don't want to tell the actors exactly what to do because you want to give them freedom to decide as well. That's fascinating. Right. It's like looking at the story from a different lens or a different perspective from a different craft in its entirety and being mm -hmm. able to tell that same story, but through a different medium and then hopefully have similar checkpoints of feelings and thoughts for the viewer or reader on the way. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. You're welcome. I got a question. How difficult it is to make a film? I mean, I assume it takes, you know, cast and crew you got to hire, and then you got to have the additional funds to be able to produce the movie. Do you find that difficult and challenging, or do you actually find it actually pretty easy to get everyone involved and make a movie out of it? So the question you asked was how difficult it is to make a film. However, there are lots of different kinds of films. There are shorts all the way up and into the Hollywood-style film. And in between, you've got the indie film. So I would say that to do a no-budget film, that's really easy. I can do it all myself. I can do everything. I can be every person. But when it comes to an indie film and an indie film that costs some money to make, it is quite a bit of work because you're also dealing with other people. When you've got a no-budget film, it's just yourself. You don't need to hire anybody. But when you've got other people, you have all sorts of different personalities. You also want to consider how much you're going to pay them, what their rates are. You have to consider all the conditions that they're going to be working under. Like You want to make sure that most of the days are during the day because 
when you want to ask people to work during the night, that's really hard on people, especially when they're used to working during the day. So sometimes you might take something that was made for the night and then film it during the day and then just kind of change it in the edit so that it looks like it was made during the night. Did you actually thought about making this film just a one lady film starring yourself or no? No, this is the type of film that requires several characters, even if they have small roles. Who's the main character that's playing the Vietnamese adoptee? Have you guys already found someone? Are you still looking? Or We are still looking. Are you going to be playing as an actor in your own film as well? I'm taking more of the perspective of doing a cameo uh, rather than having a larger role. Probably want to focus on more of the producing and the directing and the editing. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. That sounds fun, though, to have a little cameo of yourself, very fitting. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that. So do you find this to be one of your most challenging projects that you've ever done? I'm sure it's going to be probably one of your biggest accomplishments, but do you agree that this might be one of the more difficult projects that you've ever had challenged yourself doing? I would say it is one of the most challenging projects, but I have done film before. I did a 30-minute short in high school, which is actually quite long for a high school film project. But the thing was, at the time, I was actually reading a book the other day that was saying, always be 15, because when you're 15, you don't worry so much. You're not so concerned about authority. You're not so concerned about getting approval. And the great thing about making a film when I was 15 was that everyone was on board. No one was expecting any sort of salary. We were all just kids. Our parents provided for the food. The camera came from the high school itself. Everything was a lot easier. It was still no budget. So it sounds like you kind of just want to have fun or at least try to have fun with this. And I'm kind of curious, where are you guys going to be filming at? So we were originally planning on filming in Chicago. We might still continue to do that because it has a 30% tax incentive. Unfortunately, living in Denver is not so great in terms of getting tax incentives because there are no tax incentives in Denver. So now I'm thinking about, are you going to do it outside or are you going to have more like a controlled set like inside somewhere? It'll be a controlled set. So the only people who would be on the set would be actors and the cat crew. So primarily what I got, is there like three main characters, which is the Vietnamese adoptee, her, I don't know if it's her ex, her and, previous then, boyfriend. And, and then her current, are those the three characters that are primarily dominant in the film, or is there other ones that, that weren't mentioned? Yes. Well, so the main characters, yes. So there's Zara, who is the Vietnamese adoptee. And then there is Yue, who is the Chinese older man, also an immigrant. And then her current boyfriend, who she starts off with, and his name is Wei, and he's a Cambodian immigrant. Out of curiosity, what do you think you want viewers to learn from this film? I assume there is some maybe related to adoption issues or relationships in general. Could you explain a little bit more what you want the audience to get out of the film? So I do want to pack a lot of meaning in a short 90-minute film. And what that means is I've always been a fan being an English major and interested in literature. I've always been a fan of metaphors. So I use metaphors to kind of add more thematic things and also to bring out more depth and intentionality. Can you give us an example? 
So, for example, it's called Red Thread of Fate. And Red Thread of Fate is actually a known Chinese parable. And I take that parable and I add my own twist to it. Uh, you'll see it during the movie. But basically, in the original parable, the name of the original characters was Yue and Wei. And then okay. after and Zero. Yue was actually the god of marriage. And so you see there's already some metaphors going on. Is Yue the new guy coming in or is that the one that she's already with? The new guy. And there's a significant age difference. Yes. That was also based on my life. 30 years? How many? 40. 40 year difference? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So are we talking like 25 to 65? Yes. Okay. Wow. That is a significant difference. Yes. I thought 10 years or 12 years was a lot. <laughs> I remember seeing a post and someone thinking that six years was a lot, but technically an age gap relationship is defined as seven years or more. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And who came up with that definition? I'm not really sure. (laughs) It's interesting because if you think back to going to school, like one year difference is a huge thing, right? (laughs) But once you become an adult, then all of a sudden goals change. I don't want you to say spoilers, but is there a reason why she decided to move on from her ex? Is that mentioned in the film or or is that kind of just something that people have to watch and engage in? Well... I do think those could be possibly spoilers. (laughs) So what is the overall budget of this film? And I assume, are you looking for more talent or any other roles that you would like to share? Well, we are still looking for the people who are going to play Sarah and Yue. I was looking at the acting list. Apparently, Amy Nasker is going to be an actress, too, I read. Well, so that's kind of more like an extra role. I just wanted to make sure that she had that because she's the fiscal sponsor and, you know, you want to treat your fiscal sponsors well. <laughs> so I was just going to go back to the budget. So the budget right now is about 311000 which is large for someone who hasn't done that before and small for, in general, indie films. That's a very respectable amount for your first project like that. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thanks. Of course, I'd love it to be larger. <laughs> is most of this funded through a grant or are you still having sponsors or or how are you guys coming up with the total? Yeah, I looked on the website. I know you are asking people to be your sponsor. Like, I don't know if that's in product placement or something like that or how you can right, explain. So this is a great time to plug my website. It's redthreadoffate.weebly.com. And... If you go to my website, you'll see that there are a lot of different ways that you can get involved. So you can go anywhere from as low as tipping to donating all the way up to investing and sponsoring. I also have the option for product placements, and I might even put out some NFTs. What are NFTs? Non-fungible tokens. It's a term that's used in the cryptocurrency world. And just a quick summary of it. NFTs, basically, it identifies that a piece of art is original. So even if it's in the digital world, it's an original and it cannot be duplicated because there's a unique ID. And so people, kind of like in the real world, they want to pay more money to have an original copy of art. So I think we talked mainly about the characters, the storyline, which is with relationships. I know this was based off, is it true that the person that wrote, I think, was it You've Got Mail that made Crazy Rich Asians? No, those are comps, comparables. But actually, I've gotten some people to look at my script and I think I have more accurate comparables now. 
I think at least in terms of how much money it's going to take and how much money to expect. So what I tell my investors and, and other people is it's actually maybe closer to her and Blue Valentine. Her was the one with Joaquin Phoenix, right? Right. This is in terms of multiple dimensions. So there's also the topic, the genre, the tone, different things like that. I'm trying to remember what that Joaquin Phoenix movie was about. It was actually pretty interesting. I think he was a lonely guy, right? It was about him falling in love with his AI. Yeah, that's what I thought. Interesting. Okay. I think the reason why it's been compared to that is because definitely the main characters have the most lines. <laughs> You're not going to see too many other characters, though they are so important to them. Can I ask you, is it going to be a bittersweet ending or one that's kind of not so sweet? Well, I might also consider giving people the option to decide. <laughs> that's, that's what they say is the best films is let the audience decide yourself. <laughs> yeah, there are those options nowadays. It really depends on what we do for distribution. I was thinking, actually, maybe we could switch gears here, especially since, you know, our channel's created adoptee stories, and maybe we could share a little bit about herself and her Korean adoptee story. Sure. So I was adopted from Songnam, South Korea, when I was four months old. I came over to Chicago, and then I somehow came over to the D.C. area to grow up. I have moved from D.C. to Denver. My parents... They're both white. They're both from West Virginia. Did you have any siblings growing up? So I did not grow up with any siblings, but I do have several biological siblings. However, I don't know their name, unfortunately. If I remember correctly, you primarily were around a lot of white people, or was it actually black people, or was that when you actually got older? So it was mostly around white people. It was the D.C. area, though, so that became more diverse later on. In the 80s, it was mostly white, at least the area I was growing up in. D.C. is definitely more black. And the interesting thing is when I went to high school, there were only a handful of minorities in my high school. But now I went to the Fairfax Museum, and it actually said that it's 20% Korean now. Could you share a little bit about, you just referenced your biological siblings, but... Did you reunite it, or what's your story with your biological family at this point in time? So another interesting thing about this movie in connection to that is that I do actually mention some of my birth search in, as part of the movie itself. And it actually is based off of the actual letter I wrote and received. So I did not put the whole thing in because I would take too long. <laughs> did you actually lose a job because your ex had criminal record? Because that's what I read. Or is that just based on fiction? That was true. The company was very family friendly. It sounds like you got quite a story in your relationships from what I remember. Yes. A lot of inspiration, I, I think, too. Yes. Uh, also for my poetry. <laughs> Coming from it, I know since relationships do really hit hard up with a lot of adoptees, a lot of them, I feel like, including my brother, they want to find that wholeness through someone else. And with my brother and some other adoptees, he finds that connection through dating other Korean people. Have you felt that need to embrace yourself into the Korean culture at all? Or do you find yourself embracing like other cultures, like black people and I assume other people that you dated? I have had a tendency a little bit to embrace the culture of whoever I'm with. 
However, I would say that I also embrace my culture, though it took me some time to get there, as it does for a lot of people who are adopted. I guess another thing that I would say is that since we're talking about romantic relationships, I think another thing that's very much more apparent in romantic relationships when you're deep into it, and sometimes it even takes a few years to really notice, but in every very intimate relationship, you'll also notice people's mental health. And I also kind of wanted to address that in my film, the challenges of mental health. How are you actually representing the mental health in the film? I know some people think that some people don't represent it correctly. And from a list of what your movie is about, I think you brought up the LGBTQ, the disabled. You're trying to embrace all the facets of other people. Can you give some examples of how your film is doing that? Sure. So on the back end, we are open to hiring people who have disabilities behind the camera. And then in front of the camera, we also talk a little bit about codependence. I think a lot of adoptees have that. That's actually interesting that you bring that up. Right, because I think that's also part of the experience of it. So what kind of examples of codependency that you have written about in your, your script, if you could dabble a bit without giving out too much away? Sure. So one thing about codependency is that if someone has that, it also can lend easily into having a love addiction. Not always, but once that bridge has been crossed, it's kind of hard to untangle it. Can you just describe what love addiction might be for viewers? Sure. Love addiction is focusing on love to the exclusion of other aspects of life. Are you currently with someone and has, in your past example, has love addiction been harmful for you? Or maybe there are some examples that you could give? It has been harmful for me. I have worked on weaning myself out of it. I actually do identify as codependent and have been helped by being in community with other people who identify that way, because it really kind of helps you really face yourself. So an example of that is a lot of people, when they're in some argument with their significant other, they always want to put themselves in the victim role and then get validation from everyone else that they're right and the other person's wrong. Mm -hmm. So for example, I had one of those moments, as most people do, and I posted it in a codependent group and they were all like, no, that, that's all on you. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like they weren't, they weren't going to give me that validation because they knew that was what I was looking for. And they were like, no, you need to face yourself. I was curious. I actually really love this topic because it's like totally relates to attachment and adoptees. Actually, that's why I thought this movie you've been doing is really, really interesting and actually might relate to a lot of other people. I was curious, how does one, at least with yourself, how are you able to or at least maybe I'm sure you're in the process, overcome codependency, that addiction, that obsessive need to be around that person without like either cutting them like totally off or where some solutions that helped you actually? Well, I think it helps to have supporters, definitely. I think it's good to have not just supporters, but also people who have been there and have also broken themselves away from that themselves. So it really helps to have mentors, people who can give you guidance and who can even see themselves in you or who you see yourself in them. What is some advice that you have for people with attachment issues where you have to rely on someone 24-7? I assume that's what codependency is for me, but what was your experience like and, and how have they helped you to have a more healthier relationship with yourself and the other person? Sure. Well, I feel like part of this, I need to go back into defining what it is, at least from my point of view. 
So the term codependence actually came about at meaning people who were in significant love relationships with someone who is an alcoholic. Since then, people have realized that the same kind of dynamics happens with people who are uh, addicted to drugs or to even behaviors. And I was curious, why do you think people are so drawn into that? Is it a savior complex? Because honestly, when you speak about drug addiction, I had a history of that too, not with me, but dating someone with the drug addictions. Why do you feel like us as adoptees are so drawn to people that are kind of broken because we're broken ourselves? Or maybe you can explain a little bit. I think it has more to do with the quote unquote family of origin. Now, family of origin in a therapeutic setting means the family that you grew up in, where you learned your behaviors from, not necessarily the family that you got your genes from. And it doesn't always have to be like a dysfunctional family. Sometimes as an adoptee, you can even almost feel like you're in some sort of dysfunction just because of the fact that you know and acknowledge that there was a first set of parents that gave up those parental duties. And so I feel that even if people grew up with healthy families and great parents and stuff, I still feel that an adoptee can still feel less than or like they can't always count on people, like they can't always count on their parents or they can't always count on their friends. And so there's, there's this fear, fear. transracial adaptees. And like you said, you know, that moment of origin, it's almost like we were born and then died and then got born again. And that's yeah. very you know, alive in our cognizant mentality. Um, very alive, but then also extremely latent in the subconscious as well. So mm-hmm. the whole time you're going, it's like, these people, are they really my parents? Are these, for me, it was with the extended family. You know, that was even kind of a more amplified bizarre experience. Yeah, to piggyback on that exasperation of not supposed to be here, maybe. Sure. And another thing I wanted to point out is that even people who are addicted can be codependents themselves. I'm sure that you've also heard of people who are like addicts tend to date other addicts, right? And part of what leads people into addiction is a feeling of shame. And that shame can either come for both adoptees or even um, biological parents. There's a lot of internalized shame that happens. I know you're perhaps you found yourself drawn to more of the people with issues. Did you find yourself in an abusive relationship at all then as well? Which is sometimes another codependent thing where either the man or woman are terrible to each other, yet they, for some reason, they like stick and they want to stick, even though it's really unhealthy. Yes. Have you learned anything based off that? And how were you able to escape that mindset? So there is... A statistic out there basically saying that I think it will take about at least seven times for someone to go back and forth uh, before actually realizing that it's not healthy. And that so get married seven times and then that's when the eight times of one it'll work. <laughs> that's true love. Well, it, it was kind of like that for me because it was very much one of those kinds of relationships where we would break up, get back together, break up, get back together. It's a really painful and stressful time. That's why with me in the past, with my first relationship, it was more of my internal struggle of I leave first or she leave. And in the end, she ended up leaving. But in the end, I caused my own abandonment by purposely doing things that sabotage the relationship. Have you found yourself doing that as well? And is this shown in the movie at all? I think so, yes. Both in the movie and in my life, I have had a few self-destructive tendencies. (laughs) But I do also want to just, you know, kind of make a mention that 
I'm able to do this film now because it's a very intensive process. It's going back into the past and kind of like dredging up old memories. And I'm only able to do this because I am at a point in my life where I feel healthy and where I feel like I can handle these things. And I am in a very supportive relationship. I'm married. I have a really great relationship in my marriage and we support each other. And even if this film is about an ex, he's completely still supportive of me and backs me up, realizing that this is an artistic endeavor, that this is also for my career. That's wonderful. I suppose it's kind of cathartic for you as well then, huh? Yes. It speaks for itself that you can actually revisit some very painful and dark moments of your life, but you can actually just look at it like logically in a detached method without getting too invested where you can't do it. Yes. So it's been really interesting. And I would say that people who go into screenwriting, they have to have thick skin because you're going to get criticized by so many people. Some people are going to look at the script and just be like, I hate it. <laughs> and you can tell those people, like, they'll say silly things like, oh, the format wasn't correct or whatever. Well, if it's really good, you're not going to care about the format. <laughs> so are you that adoptee that says, I'm going to just do it my way? Or are you actually listening to the people that are actually criticizing your work? And do you take it to heart? Oh, I listen to them. Even the people who are harsh, because it's kind of like in customer service. You know, if you hear really harsh criticism, even if it's with a lot of curse words and everything, you can still take that criticism and be like, well, what's going on with the business that needs to improve so that it's a better customer experience? Yeah, absolutely. Criticism is always a gift. But I guess where I was trying to go with that was that it's interesting putting out a screenplay based on my own life because people will just pick it apart and they'll either not understand what I was trying to say or they will just not like it because of what I am trying to say. I truly respect 100% artists because it's hard being an artist because you got to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. But my advice is like in the end, whether it flops or does well, who cares? As long as you had passion behind it, as long as you believe in it, as long as you enjoy doing it, I think that's all that really matters. And you're brave enough bringing this up to fruition for adoptees to watch and non-adoptees to watch. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it's so awesome. We can't wait to see it. Thank you. So I was just curious if there are people out there that watch this video and you mentioned codependency. What was the three things you learned that you could give advice to other people that yeah, got you into a more successful relationship? And a happy marriage, it sounds like, too, but, and how they can overcome codependency. Well, there is a quote, and I might butcher it, but someone said that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And that's really kind of true when it comes to codependency, because you'll even start noticing it in your life outside of romantic relationships if you're really paying attention. And sometimes it's easier to notice codependency when you see someone else who's more of a codependent than you are. So for example, I saw this one person who was so insistent on giving free advice and unsolicited advice to strangers that she literally walked up to another table while we were at a restaurant she walked up to a completely other table with random strangers and said i think that you're parenting incorrectly and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> i don't think they took that right no <laughs> so one way that i can definitely tell when codependency is happening is when people give unsolicited advice and sometimes even unsolicited gifts uh, so sometimes it's really important to think 
does this person really want this? Did they ask for it? Or am I just kind of trying to mind read here? An example of this is an organization nearby in Denver that supports immigrants. And one of their programs is a long-term program where they support a family of immigrants and it's a group of people and they support that family maybe even financially. So this group of people, they all got together and they decided it would be a great idea to pay for this kid's college, one of the kids in the family. And they actually raised up all this money for this kid to go to college and he didn't even want to go to college. (laughs) So how did that one end up happening? Well, they just had a lesson learned there. (laughs) So I think we're going to wrap it up pretty quick here. So is there anything that last tidbits that you'd like to add that we perhaps missed or anything about the film before we leave tonight? So just to remind everyone, my website is redthreadoffate.weebly.com. And you can find all the information about my film there. All right, great. We're so interested in this film. When I first read it, when I talked about relationships, I was thinking, oh, that's definitely an adopted thing. So I know it definitely will dabble in a lot of kind of the issues that a lot of us adoptees have or going through or perhaps overcome. So we're really excited and really happy that Wu Yi wanted to present her Red Thread of Fate film. And we're really super excited for that. So thank you very much. We only wish the best to you and your film. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Have a great night. You too.